All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we are getting into the conversation surrounding why I tend to scrutinize Arthur Smith a lot more than most and why I think it is important for him as well as the Falcons front office uh, to overcome certain challenges for this team to rise up not only this year, but into the future. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com. RIP, still going strong on Twitter at Falcfans, putting up weekly content over at the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons. And of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And before we get into today's topic, I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. Of course, Locked On Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, and Spotify, as well as now free and available on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe, leave a comment, give us that like over on the Locked On Falcons YouTube channel. So today's episode is something I touched upon briefly on Wednesday's All-22 review, and uh, we will spend the bulk of today talking about sort of why I tend to spend a lot of time and energy uh, criticizing, scrutinizing Arthur Smith's play calling probably a lot more than a lot of other people who tend to sort of dismiss the Falcons' ongoing problems as, you know, a talent-related issue or whatever the case may be, and talent certainly is a part of it, but... A big part of it for me is, you know, whether or not this Falcons are going to find themselves in a better situation in the future, to me, is going to heavily depend on Arthur Smith's ability to coach up the talent. And we will get further into why I think that on today's episode. But before we jump into that, I do want to give you a little bit of an update uh, from the week of practice for the Falcons in that we know that Deion Jones seemingly is back and healthy and going to play this week. And we'll sort of see how Deion Jones fares in this week 13 matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He didn't play particularly well for, to my eyes in that week two matchup against Tampa Bay. Uh, and you know, that's part of the whole, you know, thing I've been saying about Deion Jones for the last three or so years, which is he has a tendency to be very up and down. So we'll see if he's up or down, uh, on Sunday. And of course we'll be back on Sunday, uh, to talk about it on the rapid reaction podcast. So, there's nothing else I really have to add about this impending week 13 matchup. As I said on yesterday's crossover Thursday preview with lockdown bucks, co-host David Harrison, I don't expect the Falcons to win, but I am eager to see if this team is going to be a lot more competitive, which I think is going to stem potentially from better coaching uh, because we already know that the talent disparity is certainly in the bucks favor. And that is kind of the theme of today's episode. Uh, but, uh, before we continue that, I, I do want to thank many of you for, you know, not turning the comments on Wednesday's all 22 review episode in which I was critical of Matt Ryan's performance against the Jacksonville Jaguars this past week as sort of another ongoing battleground in the ongoing and perpetual 
and bloodthirsty civil war that Falcon fans have been raging over over the last several years, but particularly more intensely over the last year or so uh, in regard to Matt Ryan. And, you know, I would love for Lockdown Falcons to be kind of a neutral zone, neutral ground in, in that civil war and a place where we can really talk about football and not feel the need, as so many do, uh, to wake up every day and, and pick a fight about Matt Ryan, which, you know, for me, for the record, I think it's, it's pretty silly because at this point in time in Matt Ryan's career in, in the year of our Lord 2021, you're not changing anybody's mind at this point in time. So it's just kind of a waste of breath. But I, to a certain extent, I do understand the sentiment. Uh, because certainly there was a stretch of weeks uh, this summer where every day I w- woke up and had to wrestle with, am I going to pick a fight about, you know, Julio Jones on Twitter today? Um, but in my defense, you know, the Julio Jones trade was still pretty fresh uh, at that point and, and relatively speaking remains fresh in that regard. But the Matt Ryan debate has been raging on for well over a decade, almost 15 years at this point in time, well before he, even he was a Falcon. I remember in the sp- fall of 2007, you know, debating and discussing with Falcon fans on various message boards that insisted um, that Matt Ryan wasn't a good quarterback prospect because he didn't play in the SEC. And I remember defending Matt Ryan, you know, way back in like October of 2007. I basically spent the better part of the next decade defending Matt Ryan until he eventually won his MVP. And I felt like, oh, okay, I don't have to do this anymore. And now five years since then, you know, part of me is somewhat impressed that you guys still have the energy uh, to continually uh, debate this subject. But, you know, for me, instead of putting all my energy in, in trying to dunk on the haters or show up the cultists or whatever, you know, I try to put my energy in deciphering what is the real issue that the Falcons face. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And, you know, the team's so-called lack of talent around Matt Ryan is certainly a real problem. And, Rather than spending my time, you know, saying that as a way to absolve Matt Ryan of any blame or any responsibility for the team's shortcomings, I look at that as a problem that needs to be fixed, that needs to be solved, uh, and not just some talking point in, you know, an ongoing narrative. And obviously, you know, that's a problem that's only going to get solved by adding more talent, which, as I've explained before on the podcast, is not something that the Falcons are going to be able to do today or tomorrow. Uh, That's going to be something that they do several months from now, but it's not going to be something that they're going to be able to immediately solve with just, you know, one off season of moves. That's going to take multiple off seasons and and a long period of time. And, you know, one of the other issues that I look at as a real problem is the team's coaching. Um, Or rather I look at that not necessarily as a problem, but really as a potential problem solver uh, because I believe Arthur Smith's improved play calling Uh, could go a long way to solving a lot of the problems uh, that, you know, could potentially shorten the timeline uh, that it takes for the Falcons to find the necessary talent to get back to a level where they are able to go up against a team on the caliber of of the Bucs team that they're facing this weekend. And we feel like, yeah, you know, from a talent standpoint, this is an even playing field. This is an even matchup. And instead of going into this game being, you know, 11 and a half point underdogs, as they are on betonline.ag, you know, maybe they're one and a half point underdogs or something along those lines. And that's why I tend to be a little bit more critical of Arthur Smith, tend to scrutinize him a lot more than others do. And we'll further explore that on today's Locked On Falcons to see if Arthur Smith has the power to turn things around here in Atlanta. But you guys listen to a podcast for the power of knowledge and you switch to both Boost Mobile 
for the power of saving because with boost you get the power of a free 5g phone so you can listen to all the latest episodes of lockdown falcons the power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too and the power of one of america's largest 5g networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5g with all that money you'll save and all that knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. So this holiday season, why don't you grab a protein bar that tastes just like a candy or even better than a candy bar? If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Built Bars, the best tasting protein bar on the market. They're rich with decadent flavor covered in chocolate, but they're healthy too. They're low in sugar and calories, carbs, low in fat, but high in protein and fiber. You get the best of both worlds delicious and healthy so many flavors you'll have a hard time choosing you got raspberry mint brownie cherry double chocolate cookies and cream peanut butter brownie or my personal favorite coconut almond built bars give you the extra fuel to endure those endless shopping lines battle those holiday shoppers for that next great deal or maybe you can hook santa up because i'm sure he's tired of milking cookies but how about you leave him a built bar since you know that he needs that fuel for the long night ahead of him. I'm sure Santa will love them so much. He might even throw a few in your stockings. Just give him a heads up on your Christmas list. Check it twice uh, by heading over to built.com. Use the promo code locked 15 for 15% off your order. That's locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. So let's talk about Arthur Smith's role in this team's future. And obviously as the head coach, he has a big responsibility there to get this team back to the winning ways. Of course, you also have Terry Fontenot as the general manager, assisting him in that role. But a critical role, a critical function of Arthur Smith is going to be serving as the team's offensive play caller, which is important because play calling is critical to success uh, because it's critical to offensive success and offensive success is critical to team success. And play calling is not so critical to defensive success in my eyes. We're not going to get too deep into that on today's episodes, but you know, just go with me for a moment and accept that it's not that critical uh, for the sake of argument. But on offense, uh, play calling is important. And Matt Ryan, of course, is going to be the Falcons quarterback for the foreseeable future. How long that foreseeable future lasts, you know, I think it's going to be heavily dependent on how successful this Falcon team is not only for the remainder of this season, but also next season. You know, I'm very confident at this point that Matt Ryan will be the Falcons starting quarterback week one of 2022. But beyond that, you know, that is, remains up in the air. And I think a lot of that is heavily dependent on whether or not the Falcons finish and, and make the playoffs this year or next year or finish with a winning record this year or next year. And we know that it's going to be difficult for them to achieve that if they don't have the talent to do so. And for the record, let's make my stance clear about the team's talent level. My stance is not that the Falcons have quote unquote superior talent as some of the uh you know straw man arguments have been presented in the comments and elsewhere. Uh the Falcons don't have the talent to match up with some of the top teams in the league like Tampa Bay. Um I've never said that. But I, I, I think the issue for me is like I don't think their talent is so deficient that 
they can't be competitive on a weekly basis, like pretty much every other team or most teams in the NFL tend to be. We've seen the Falcons lose three games this year by 24 or more points, and that's as many as this team has had uh, in by that margin, you know, in the last six seasons combined. Um, and if your response to that is basically, well, this year's team is the least talented of, you know, the last six years, you know, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree. Uh, but, you know, for me, the lack of competitiveness, I think, stems not only from talent deficiencies, but the coaching not really getting more out of the current players. And I feel like that's the key when it comes to Arthur Smith. If the Falcons are going to be successful in the remaining time that Matt Ryan has in Atlanta, you know, meaning that they're going to be a team that is a perennial playoff team uh, and a team that has a chance to win that elusive ring that I'm sure so many of you that are, you know, particularly on that one side of the Matt Ryan civil war dream of him getting not only because you obviously want the Falcons to win a Super Bowl, but Hey man, you know, that's the ultimate thing that you can use to dunk on the Matt Ryan haters. Am I right? So if, if the Falcons are going to pull that off, you know, not only are going to, they're going to have to add talent, but I think they're going to need their coaching to elevate that talent. And, and on offense, that's really what it's all about. And I explained in a previous episode uh, about how offense is closely linked to team success. When you look at teams that have made it to the conference championship game over the last decade, overwhelmingly teams do so with elite offenses rather than having elite defenses. And you can check that episode out on the card above here on uh, YouTube. Um, and that's not meant to say that defense doesn't matter, but if your goal is to be a top team and go toe to toe with a team like the Bucks in January, you got to be able to score a bunch of points. Uh, and, you know, there are two main ways to build an elite offense. And when I use the term elite, I use it as a way of basically saying that I can make a pretty compelling argument that that team, that entity, that player, that coach, whatever, uh, is the best uh, in the business at what they're asked to do. And so when it comes to building elite offense, you can do it either with elite play calling or elite talent, right? Uh, and you can obviously have both, but you know, that becomes a lot harder to pull off. Um, and you know, for those of you that aren't watching on YouTube, you know, this is part of the reason why you should subscribe to the lockdown Falcons, uh, YouTube channel, because you get a little bit of more of a visual style, but so you have elite play calling and that can elevate, uh, lesser talent. And if you have elite talent that can elevate lesser play calling. And when I say lesser, I don't mean like bad. I mean, just like not elite. Um, and so, you know, we've seen firsthand how, you know, when it comes to elite talent, elevating lesser play calling, we've seen firsthand how that works with, you know, Julio Jones over the last decade, it becomes a lot easier for teams and, and the Falcons, various play callers to scheme stuff up when you have a talent like Julio Jones. Uh, and, and the issue that Matt Ryan has dealt with over his career is that he's rarely had elite play calling, you know, outside of that one season in 2016, you know, the Mike Malarkey's, the Dirt Cutters, the Steve Sarkeesian haven't been necessarily a who's who of top-notch NFL play callers. They haven't been necessarily bad, uh, but they haven't been the types of guys that can consistently elevate lesser talent week in and week out, season in and season out. And my concern right now with Arthur Smith is that he may not be on that Kyle Shanahan tier. But to be fair to Arthur Smith, as I mentioned in the episode last week, 
few thought at, you know, this point in Kyle Shanahan's first year in Atlanta that he was at that tier uh, based off of the performance of the team that season or that that 2016 explosion was immediately on the horizon. So in the case of Arthur Smith, there is still time for him to turn it around. There is still time for him to prove me wrong in that regard. And again, I'm not calling Arthur Smith a bad play caller. I'm just saying his body of work thus far hasn't overwhelmingly impressed me, hasn't made me overwhelmingly confident that he's going to be pushing into that upper tier of play callers, um, you know, that Ryan has rarely dealt with. And that's why you've seen over the last 13 plus years with Matt Ryan at the quarterback that the Falcons have instead invested a lot more resources in adding that so-called elite talent to elevate the play calling, whether we're talking about players like Julio Jones or Kyle Pitts, Roddy White, Tony Gonzalez, Michael Turner, the investments they've made on the offensive line, because, you know, they're trying to build a championship caliber offense around Matt Ryan, and they have to now target that elite talent because they're not getting it from their play call. And to be clear, this is not a unique situation to the Falcons or Matt Ryan. This is going to be the situation that the Falcons find themselves in when they move on from Matt Ryan, whenever that point is, this is true for all teams and all quarterbacks around the NFL. It just differs by degrees, you know, depending on if you have Andy Reid versus Matt Nagy calling plays, or if you have Aaron Rodgers versus Blake Bortles, you know, un- lining up under center. So it's just the different degrees that every team has to deal with. And, you know, this becomes a central problem for the Falcons um, because they have to add that talent. And if the offense is going to turn itself around, you know, Arthur Smith, we, he has to show if he's not going to be the next Andy Reid or Kyle Shanahan or whoever, then the Falcons moving forward are going to have to expend the resources on adding that premium talent around Matt Ryan in order to maximize whatever the remaining years he has left. And uh, you guys know you've been quick to point out over the years that we've been putting too many resources in, in some of your opinions uh, on the offense. And, and those are resources that are not going towards the defense and every premium draft pick and every free agent dollar that the Falcons spend on the offense is a premium draft pick and a free agent dollar that does not go towards the defense. And you've heard me refer to this on previous episodes about that balance that the team has failed at achieving over the past 13 plus years with Matt Ryan at the helm. And it's not simply because their previous general managers and head coach were complete incompetent idiots. It was just simply, you know, they weren't able to successfully execute that strategy of, of adding that talent and, you know, on either side of the ball, because that balance was a little bit too out of whack. The players that they invested uh, premium picks in on the defense didn't turn out well. And some of the players that they invested premium picks and then free agent dollars on offense didn't turn out well. And so they always seemed to come up short and that led ultimately for both the failure of the Mike Smith and Dan Quinn uh, tenures. And and hopefully that's a fate that Arthur Smith and, and Terry Fontenot potentially can avoid, but they're going to have to strive to find that balance. And that's not easy to pull off. And I'm sure many of you guys are dying to see this team address many of the pressing needs that they have on defense uh, because, you know, the talent dilemma, you know, finding that balance on defense is a mu- much more cut and dry than it is on offense. Because as I said earlier, you know, defensive play calling, while it's not um, inconsequential, it's not unimportant. It's not nearly as impactful in my eyes as talent is when it comes uh, to, you know, proving 
those top-notch units. And, and we, we know that because when we look at some of the great defensive minds over the last 20 years, whether we're talking about Bill Belichick or Dean Pease or Rex Ryan or Wade Phillips, Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley, Todd Bowles, uh, you know, they weren't necessarily doing having the success that they were having with just average talent. Uh, they would have premium corners like Darrell Revis and Jalen Ramsey and Aqib Tlaib and Asante Samuel, safeties like Eric Weddle and uh, Ed Reed, Devin McCourty, Justin Simmons, linebackers like Roquan Smith, Navarro Bowman, uh, Levante David, Devin White, C.J. Mosley, Dante Hightower, pass rushers like Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Khalil Mack, Terrell Suggs. You got beef in the middle like Justin Smith, Vita Vea, Richard Seymour, J.J. Watt, etc. You know, and it's not about on defense, you know, putting 11 all pros on the field by any means, because that's just nearly impossible, but you certainly have to have key elite difference makers at a number of different positions and different levels of the defense in order to build an elite unit on that side of the ball. And so that often requires you investing premium picks. And if you're investing premium picks and still needing to find those premium talents in the offense, that means you're going to have to uh, invest mid round picks in the offense and hope that they turn into some premium talents. And, and whether, you know, again, whether you're investing those mid-round picks in the offense or defense, you know, you're going to have to find day three gems like we've seen several teams, including the Falcons, find over the years with a player like Grady Jarrett. You got other defensive players like a Max Crosby. You got offensive stars like George Kittle and Dak Prescott, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Wyatt Teller, that were some day three gems for various teams over the years. Because if you're not being able to get that type of talent on day three, in addition to the premium talent that you're getting on days one and two of the draft, you're going to then have to rely on your coaching staff to elevate lesser talent. And as we said, you know, that's harder to do on offense than defense. And again, that's why Arthur Smith gets a lot more scrutiny for me because it's his responsibility to really elevate that talent on offense that the Falcons, as you guys often mention, don't necessarily have. And the odds aren't necessarily in the favor of the Falcons coaching staff or their front office, uh, given that they face a number of challenges to build a consistent winner. And we'll continue to explore some of those challenges here on the Lockdown Falcons podcast. But speaking of odds being in your favor, BetOnline has all your odds covered this season. They got props, lines like never before as the football season continues its march towards the playoff. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season from football, basketball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile site and sign up today. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available at BetOnline where the game starts. So, Let's put on our profit hat for a second, right? And, you know, I know while you guys will sit here for the rest of this season and and blame every poor performance of Matt Ryan um, on the lack of talent on the offense um, and every poor performance of the team on offense on the lack of talent moving forward. I'm I'm betting that when we get to uh, January, you know, the, the, the divine vision is telling me that uh, in January and February uh, that, you know, once we you guys start obsessing about various mock drafts, you know, when you start to see that mock draft that has the Falcons taking a non-defensive player in, in round one, you're probably going to flip out 
and and you know rant about it on twitter and talk about how it's crazy which you know to me personally is a little hypocritical that you're going to blame all the falcons problems offensively on not having enough talent but when the falcons at least in a random person's projection on what they might do as one possible scenario for the draft you know suggest that they address that talent deficiency with an offensive player you don't want to have anything to do with it so I'm looking forward to that when we start up mock draft Mondays here on Lockdown Falcons at some point in February. But let's for the moment present a hypothetical situation where we are all very much in agreement um, with those people that will be ranting about these mock drafts that we need to finally give Matt Ryan a defense, uh, which I'm sure most of you listening to and watching me right now, you know, are on, you know, that team uh, and, and, you know, I think have every right to be on that team. Uh, certainly given the you know frustration that the Falcons defenses have caused for the better part of the last 10 to 15 years. Um, so, you know, we're going to insist on using our premium, you know, assets early in the draft on that side of the ball. Uh, and that means that we're not going to be able to use those premium assets on the offensive side of the ball. So at least in the draft, and again, free agency is also a factor in this, but we're not going to dive too deep into that and how that plays a part into it. You know, they're going to have to wait until the middle to later rounds to address some of their needs on offense. And as I said earlier, unless Terry Fontenot can do an, an outstanding job in finding some real gems there in the late rounds, um, you know, the Stefan Diggs types of players don't necessarily grow on trees. Uh, you know, it's going to be tough sledding for the Falcons, but we do know that certain positions particularly several key skill position spots on the offense, like running back, wide receiver, and tight end, do have a long history of players uh, or of teams hitting on players on day three of the draft. So that does give us some hope and optimism that Terry Fontenot could pull it off with that sort of strategy. Uh, but the point is, I want to stress that unless Terry Fontenot can really have some uh, historic draft runs over the next year or so, uh, you know, they're probably not going to be working with a ton of premium mid-round talents. And thus it's going to be, again, shifting back to the Arthur Smith to see if he can elevate the talent. And, you know, when you look at it, you know, players like Mike Davis, Wayne Gallman were fourth round picks. Uh, and they represent, relatively speaking, when you go back over the last decade, the upper tier of running backs taken in that round in terms of their uh, current NFL success. And certainly there are better fourth round running backs that have been taken over the last decade, including Atlanta's own Devontae Freeman. Marlon Mack is another good example. But the point is, if if Arthur Smith can't get more production out of the Wayne Goleman and Mike Davis types established players from that, you know, tier of talent at the running back position, you know, is it is this job going to be a lot easier to get more talent out of a greener rookie uh, than either one of those guys? You look at the wide receiver position, you look at Russell Cage and Tajay Sharp, Alameda Zacchaeus, all clearly day three uh, talents. Zacchaeus was not selected on day three, but was an undrafted free agent. A lot of people thought was going to be selected on day three. Uh, but if you're not going to get more out of those guys, you know, you, you kind of are put, pinning all your hopes on finding the next Stephon Diggs, the next Tyreek Hill, the next Marvin Jones, the next Antonio Brown. Is is that player going to walk through that door and, and, and bolster your talent at the wide receiver position? Then you go to the tight end position. You know, Hayden Hurst was a first round pick, uh, but was a third round talent to my eyes. And based off of his career has performed at the typical level that you see from third and fourth round tight ends, uh, you know, over the years. Uh, and if you're not necessarily knowing how to use that guy and make him into an effective and reliable, you know, number two tight end, you know, what are the odds that some 
other mid-round rookie tight end is going to fare better. And we can play the same game with the mid-round talents that the Falcons have starting on their offensive line with Kayla McGarry, Matt Hennessy, and Jalen Mayfield. Um, and again, I'm not saying all this to paint this sort of doom and gloom portrait. I'm just trying to show you guys that, you know, this situation for the Falcons is not an easy one to overcome, nor am I trying to sit here and say, Arthur Smith is a bad coach or a bad play caller. As I've said several times, we don't really know what Arthur Smith is right now, but it doesn't mean just because we don't know that uh, definitively that he should get a free pass when it comes to scrutinizing him. And, you know, part of that is why aren't we spending more time talking about Calvin Ridley's disappearance in this offense? And no, I'm not talking about the mental health break that he is currently taking. I'm talking about why didn't the 2020 version of Calvin Ridley show up this year? The last time we saw a player resembling that was in that first scrimmage against the Miami Dolphins in August. And we haven't seen that player ever since. Um, And again, I'm putting on my profit hat uh, for the second time today. Um, but you know, my third eye is open and it's telling me, you know, at the end of the season, when we look back at the, why Calvin really the production declined, you know, a lot of it is going to be to me, the low hanging fruit, which is going to be, oh, well, it's related to his mental health struggles. And, and again, I don't know enough about what's going on with Calvin Ridley off the field to assume anything one way or the other, or to say, you know, it, the mental health stuff has nothing to do with it. But what I do know is that when I watched the film and seen what Calvin really was doing on the field when he was playing, um, you know, part of the decline was how Arthur Smith changed how he was used from what we saw a year ago by running a lot fewer of the routes that Calvin Ridley was known to shine running. And we saw Calvin Ridley's production, not coincidentally, tank. In the five games that Calvin Ridley's played in 2021, he's averaged about six catches for 56 yards, nine yards per reception. And no, that decline is not related to not having Julio Jones because we saw in the eight games uh, or 32 quarters, which is the equivalent of eight games that Julio Jones missed last season, Calvin Ridley was averaging 77 catches for 99 yards per game with you know a yards per reception of 15. Over the final four games of the the 2020 season with Julio Jones out of the lineup, Calvin Ridley was averaging 117 yards per game. Uh, You know, was it mental health that was causing Calvin Ridley to just run nothing but digs and crossers uh, for the first month of the season, as opposed to the comebacks and corners and timing base routes that he was killing teams like the Bucks at the end of last season with? Um, And that leads to, for me, for a lot of the questions on whether or not some of the concerns surrounding this Falcons wide receiver core, how much of it is a lack of talent and how much of it is maybe, maybe this offense isn't really doing a great job utilizing what talent the Falcons have, that this offense isn't really great at utilizing receivers that aren't big physical specimens like a Kyle Pitts or like an AJ Brown. So when Matt Ryan struggles in the future, or if Matt Ryan struggles in the futures, as you know, you guys insisted on Wednesday on at least on Twitter. And again, shout out to you guys in the comments for not going there. Um, but you know, you're gonna sit that pin that on you know the fact that the Falcons wide receivers aren't getting open, and then I'm gonna ask you, okay, if that's the case, and again, that wasn't the case on Sunday against Jacksonville, but if that's the case, why aren't they getting open? And then you're probably gonna respond, well, they just don't have the talent to get open. And I'm going to sit there and go, are you sure about that? You sure about that? That's why you sure about that? Cause I'll just say like, you know, every day you wake up thinking we got to fight about Matt Ryan 
or hate on Matt Ryan or overhype Matt Ryan or whatever the thing that you guys are fighting about. These are the things I sit up every day thinking about, um, you know, and I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but at least to me, that to me is a much more interesting and compelling conversation to have about it. You know, these are the topics of conversations that we'll continue to discuss on, on this podcast now and into the future. Uh, because, you know, to me, this is the real issue that the team is going to have to deal with in the coming years. Uh, and again, this is not meant to be a takedown on Arthur Smith. This is not meant to be doom or gloom. This is not meant to say that it's all going to come crashing down for the Falcons. It's just sitting here saying, like, these are real obstacles that this team is going to have to overcome in the present and in the future. And, you know, again, instead of spending all your time arguing about Matt Ryan, if I can get up on my soapbox once more and and saying he's not the problem, okay, then what is the problem? What is the problem, guys? And, and again, I don't think the problem is Matt Ryan, but – you know, the problem may be that the team has a finite number of resources, whether they be draft picks, whether they be cap space. And those resources may not be enough to uplift this team to, and, and the talent of this team to a level that it needs to be uh, if they don't get a lot more ho- help from this coaching staff uplifting that talent based off of their play call. And they may find themselves in a situation that the only way that they will get the necessary resources that they can in order to add that level of talent that they need may be selling off what little talent allegedly that they already have, which includes players like Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones, Calvin Ridley, and yes, Matt Ryan. So again, this is not really me trying to be doom and gloom, but this is kind of a a real dark cloud that is kind of hanging over this organization that we're looking at those storm clouds, you know, on the horizon and we're wondering, or at least we should be wondering is this team on the cusp of just completely nuking this team and, and tearing it down and, and starting all over uh, similar to what we were, you know, back in 2007, the last time we had multiple 24 point, uh, you know, deficit uh, blowout losses. And so to me, the only thing that's going to stop that from happening, you know, sooner rather later is if Arthur Smith and his coaching staff and Terry Fontenot in this front office do an exceptional job, coaching up what talent they have and or finding talent in places that typically is hard to find talent, including later in the draft. So if I'm being honest with you guys, you know, based off of the first 10 months that those guys have been on the job, I haven't been that impressed by Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith. You know, they may wind up figuring out all in the end. And as I've said, you know, for the last six months, I'm because of that, I'm fascinated by what they're going to do. This upcoming season, I'm, I'm I'm waiting to be impressed. And for I'm sure a lot of you, it sounds like negativity. And, and if that's what you want to label it as. And so be it. I, look, I can't fight that anymore. I would call it impatience. I would call it probably me being old and jaded and, and cynical, uh, given that, you know, I've been a longtime Falcon fan for three decades and I'm basically just waiting. OK, when are we going to be good again? Now, and yes, I am impatient about that because I, I've been waiting three decades for it. Uh, and, and for me, you know, the clock is ticking. And I know we're tired of having this conversation, but it it goes back to the decision made at the top of this past year's draft, you know, taking Kyle Pitts over a quarterback. And if they had taken a quarterback, uh, while it wouldn't have shortened the timeline, uh, it probably would have caused people like myself. I can only speak for myself, but I'm sure many of you to understand, oh, this is this is going to be like a four or five year project because that's typically how long it takes for quarterbacks to be good. Uh, And so there are there in that situation, I, I could couldn't help but have patience, but with the choice of taking Kyle Pitts, at least seemingly 
puts them on the path of like, no, it, this is not going to be a four or five year rebuild. This is more of a win now situation that's going to last two or three years. And for the record, you know, I don't think the team is really in that sort of win now mode. Um, you know, I just think they're kind of, their plan is may, it may wind up being a four or five year rebuild, but you know, in that time, in the next two or three years, they're just really expecting Matt Ryan to kind of tread water with this team before they make that switch to a younger quarterback. And then, you know, they'll have the resources after several off seasons and then potentially the cap space to add the necessary resources where they can be, you know, a top notch team. You know, the timeline on when that switch occurs is up in the air. And a lot of that is dependent on sort of their short term success and, how, you know, whether or not they win. Uh, the, the more successful they are this year and next year, uh, the longer that timeline gets extended, the longer, you know, Matt Ryan has uh, to tread water. If that's the case, you know, it's the difference of are we replacing Matt Ryan within one or two years or are we replacing him within, you know, three, four or possibly five years? Uh, and that's dependent on how many, you know, how how effective this team is at winning games. And, you know, we're going to be having this conversation forever and ever. It's not going away. It's, you know, it's the same conversation, you know, when it comes to Arthur Smith and Matt Ryan and all these various things. It's the same conversation we brought up earlier this offseason when the Chargers made the choice to stick with Philip Rivers, Anthony Lynn, first time head coach. I'm riding with Philip Rivers. That lasted a couple of years. Didn't work out for them. They wound up the next time they were picking in the top 10. Uh, you know, they were taking Justin Herbert, but that didn't work out, you know, great for the next coach, Brandon Staley, because he gets to work with Justin Herbert. That's not going to work out for Anthony Lynn. And that's the fate that you don't want to see Arthur Smith have and fall under. So again, a lot of it is going to rest on his shoulders to, to be able to, to do the thing that Anthony Lynn couldn't do, uh, and uplift that team and, and make them into a consistent winner year in and year out. And a lot of it depends on the talent they add and the coaching and the play call and again all the things I've pointed out in today. And so, you know, I think too many people out here think that where you fall in that whole, you know, Pitts versus Fields versus Mac Jones, if you want to throw him into that conversation, is dependent on what your opinion was or is on Matt Ryan. And frankly, like, I think your opinion on Matt Ryan has nothing to do with where you fell in that. Because to me, if you really understood what was going on with the team, you know, you, you don't need to have you know, a positive or negative opinion towards Matt Ryan to understand those circumstances. So, um, you know, that's how I think, you know, we should proceed, but obviously I welcome your feedback and, and whether or not you think this is a bigger issue, whether you, you know, you just want to take it back to Matt Ryan or, or you want to hate on me for, you know, still being a fan of Julio Jones, whatever you want to do. Of course, I welcome your feedback. Of course you can do so on Twitter at locked on Falcons on Facebook at locked on Falcons. You can send an email to locked on Falcons at mail.com. Of course, you can also leave a comment here on the locked on Falcons YouTube channel. And of course, guys, while I appreciate you guys for making locked on Falcons, your first listen each and every day, I always have recommendations for what your second listen should be. And that's of course, locked on Braves, locked on Bulldogs, locked on Hawks, all free and available on the same podcast platforms that locked on Falcons is available and as well as locked on bets uh if you want to know uh find some extra money for this holiday shopping season the season of giving and you want to give yourself a little bit more money locked on bets is the perfect daily podcast for you where handicapping expert lee sterling is giving you his lock of the day his blowout specials uh as well as his daily picks so check out locked on bets again on all the same podcast platforms 
Guys, we'll be back on Sunday with a rapid reaction to whatever happens in this Tampa Bay Bucks game. Hopefully, uh, the Falcons will be competitive when we can start looking. Okay, like you know, Arthur Smith's doing his thing. You know, like that's that's what I want to be talking about on Sunday. I want to be praising Arthur Smith. He, he's listening to the podcast, uh, and uh, you know, he's like, "I'll prove you wrong, Aaron." I'm like, "Hey, man, I'm I'm all for it, guys. I'm all for it. I want to be impressed. I want to be." proven wrong uh the old saying i used to have on a former podcast i used to do was like if i'm wrong that usually means good things are happening for the falcons right uh just because of the pessimism and the negativity as they say so we'll see what happens guys that will do it for us on this week of the lockdown falcons podcast and of course uh, we'll be back on sunday with a rapid reaction to this week 13 action between the falcons and bucks appreciate it guys till then